When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Captain K on the music tools. Captain K. Actually, we haven't done the official welcome to Captain K. True. Yeah, we haven't done the big unveiling. The big unveiling. So Captain K. Do I have any... What kind of music do I have here? Mm. Nah, nothing, unfortunately. <laughs> nothing that fits Captain <laughs> nothing, K? Nothing that works. Uh, the Godfather music. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. Uh, no, i got nothing, sorry. Nothing. Breaking news? <laughs> Breaking... Yeah. Go on. Breaking news, developing stories. And in much of the same vein as the Ian Foster, John Plumtree, Brad Moore, um, changed into Jason Ryan and Joe Schmidt. Sure. Captain K joins the coaching team of the Afternoons with Staffy. Yeah, as the Richie McCaw of, uh, <laughs> of producing. And we've got him here. Very lucky to have him. Yep. So it's uh, just a, a shifting of the furniture here at SCNZ, uh, giving people different challenges, different different goals, different duties. Captain K, uh, formerly of breakfast, uh, you didn't have to set your alarm for 3.30 this morning and you haven't thanked us. Look, I'll tell you what, I got to stay up and watch the grand final. <laughs> That's yeah. what dreams are made of, yeah, mate. you get to watch what? sport now. That's one it of was the... so, I was still, though, freaking out at about 10.30. Being like, oh, I've got to get up in the morning. Like, this is going to be so bad and so hard. And then I checked my alarm and it was set for seven. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Like, it's what dreams are made. Absolute miracle. But now nah, you're happy to have signed on. Signed on a nice little extension here uh, till 2035 with Afternoons with Steffi. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, unlike Abby Coruscant, we did have the money for you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get up to on your weekends, mate? Uh, oh, I've actually just been up to Raglan, watched a bit of the rally up there. Up, up to Raglan. Oh, no. sorry, sorry. Look, okay, here's, here's one thing you've got to learn, right? This is what they used to do to me on breakfast as well. Joey, Joey Manu and I as well. They used to give us so much slack about our geography knowledge. Yeah. In year 13 and year 12 and year 11, I got not achieved in all of my geography. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, I can't, I can't put them together. So I say, head up, 
heading down. Oh, I do all the wrong ones. Sure. So, so I went down he, to Raglan. He, but was it? At, he said it was at Raglan. I think it wasn't at Raglan, was it? The WRC? No. What on Friday? No. No, nah, it wasn't. Oh, Raglan. maybe. It, no, they wasn't might. Wasn't it have... Raglan? It, well, well, what what was I watching then? I saw it was SVG. In the doma- I was saw it in the domain on Friday? Thursday. It was at the domain. Oh, was it? Okay. Friday, and I thought I thought the whole rally was north of Auckland, but no, that was down in Waikato as well. Oh, well, well then maybe it was Raglan. Yeah, then. yeah. So I didn't actually get to watch any rallying in Raglan because it was in the city centre. Was where I was. You did just did you just call Raglan a city centre? Oh, for goodness. <laughs> what, what, what do I call I was at the shops the metropo- in Raglan. Metropolis. You know, I was <laughs> Did you buy an oat milk cappuccino and buy a tie-dyed T-shirt? No. No, they wouldn't drink oat milk at no, Raglan, that, That's what they? I was going to say. I didn't oh, want to be surfers just Auckland. Surfers are just long black, like just straight. Injected into the veins, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I ordered a mocha and I heard someone giggle under their breath. <laughs> yeah, like, so they they knew straight that away that I, was, that I was from Auckland because that's like, what, that's what Sam orders as well. Used to, used to, used to. You're Can hot I, ta- I just quickly? I Katie got these um, chocolate covered bean uh, coffee beans. Oh, I like those. Yeah. <sighs> Poison. So <laughs> I, I had a couple. Right, and it's like the them? first. You eat them, yeah. Oh, it's like the first time I've had sort of coffee, caffeine in like a year, and um, yeah. Look, there was a reason. More than one reason why I was up late last night. It wasn't just the grand final. Mm. The, the lawns coffee got was done as well. Midnight. Yeah, I did, I did everything. I did the lawns, I did the laundry, <laughs> um, paid my taxes, did everything. <laughs> you did something else, which I'm going to touch on as well. So it's a big welcome to Captain K. Thank Fe- you very much. Feel free to welcome Captain K uh, from breakfast into the afternoons on double eight double three. Do welcome, we get a, welcome him in? Do we get a taste of his laugh? Look, um, that's that's the one thing he needs to work on. Now Neeps, who's been with us for about a year, um, his laugh was. It was a big part of the show. Yeah. Uh, people loved it. People hated it. Um, people just said Neeps laughed at stuff that wasn't even funny, which is great for me because my jokes aren't funny, but Neeps always <laughs> laughed at them. <laughs> he did make you feel good, yeah. He did make you feel good. So uh, we wish Neeps all the very best with his three o'clock alarms and um, his prone to dislocate shoulders. So he's on breakfast. We've got Captain Kate. So awesome to have, uh, have a good crew together. Now, Sam. We had a text through. Can I find it? Here it is from Carl. Hi, guys. How did Sammy's multis on the final go? He was throwing them out there on Friday, and he mentioned Crichton and To'o. Carl. Now, I don't know the answer, but I know that you 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 went gangbusters on the grand final, Sam. Can you talk yep. us through how many bets do you reckon you had? Like um, you, you, you don't bet a lot. Like you don't put on fifty dollar bits and all that sort of stuff. No, you're, you're a five dollar guy. I am, yeah. I'm a I'm a small small um, speculator. Small speculator, correct. And I just do it to, to keep things interesting. So you're right. I uh, I threw out a lot of lines in the. You know how sometimes you go down to the wharf and they're just those guys who have about fifty rods and it's really annoying because no one else can throw their rod. Out and just one, and he just walks sort of between them. Just tug it. That was me on uh, last night. How so, many did you reckon you had? Oh, no. 12? Yeah, maybe 12. Okay. Yeah, about 12. Um, well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> some of them – actually, can I, just get, can I just get them up? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, I will take this time to apologise to you and everyone in New Zealand for convincing you to go for 
field goal, field first goal in the first half because that was all all done and dusted after about ten minutes, right? You when knew you, they weren't going to have a go. No, and draw at halftime was the other one that skunked me. Yeah, well, I I, th- I thought it was actually quite a good tip, so I was happy to give it, but it didn't work out. <clears throat> there was a big big long one I gave out on Friday, which was Cleary to win the Clive Churchill Targo first try scorer, Cleary top point scorer, a draw at halftime, and Penasini anytime try scorer at five hundred and one dollars. <laughs> that was silly. That was stupid. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, there were heaps of little ones. I had, a, I had Panthers 13 plus, Toto, Targo, and Luai all to score a try in Edwards, Clive Churchill at 67. Ooh. I thought that one was actually quite tasty. One of my same game multis was, and I'm very close to this, over 34 and a half points in the game. Penrith, Penrith first to three tries. Yes. Penrith nine plus winning margin. Yes. Brian Toto, anytime try scorer. Yes. Isaac Targo, anytime try scorer. Oh. Yeah. And he came he came quite close at one on one occasion, but but not to me. I was really bullish on Targo scoring. But then there were two staff. And I, I texted you, I was texting the boys during the game and I said, um, boys, all my bets are dead. I, I I tried to cover all my bases. The only base I didn't cover was Penrith just absolutely killing them and Toto basically being the only person scoring tries. Um so two when Penrith scored in the last ten minutes, they Parramatta. Scored, sorry, P- Parramatta scored in the last ten minutes, two tries. I thought I'd better go back and see um, if any are still in play because I feel like I had a couple in play. So this one was in play. Panthers one to twelve. Staines and Crichton anytime try scorer. Dylan Edwards, Clive Churchill medalist, and under forty two and a half points in the game at one hundred and one bucks. That was. On the cards with, you know, a minute, two minutes to play. Um, but the one that came in, and uh, very happy you with this. You got one. I did get one. The one that came in, and funnily enough, this was my hall pass. I put the $20 hall pass bonus bet on this one. Oh, so if you didn't have the hall pass, you probably would have put five on it. Correct. So 20 bucks went on. Panthers to win 11 or 20. Yeah. Under 47 and a half points in the game. Yeah. Stephen Crichton, anytime try scorer. And what a try. Dylan Edwards, Clive Churchill medalist at 34 bucks. And I put Shut 20 on gate. it. Shut the gate. I put 20 on it, yeah. Shut the gate. And um, I tell you what. Dylan Edwards. Yeah, so so here's the thing. I When we were talking on Friday, and I've just obviously watched a lot over the weekend, read a lot, I became more and more confident that actually yeah, Dylan Edwards is a really good shout for Clive Churchill. And I think someone raised a really good point, voter fatigue. So the fact that Cleary and Yo always get the plaudits, naturally I think your subconscious bias is to think of somebody else. And because Edwards had been their best player all year, he had sort of missed out on Daly and fullback of the year, I think he might have been top of mind. So, you know, he ran for close to 300 metres, had that amazing try-saving uh, tackle, I think he got two tri-assists. So I'm looking at that bet at the full time going, if they don't give Edwards the Clive Churchill, I'm flying to Australia and finding out who voted on that, and I will <laughs> give them a right dust-up. Uh, but they ended up giving it to him, so I was, I was absolutely pumped, staff. But you look at that and go, you know, one from 12, not a good conversion rate, but... But 600 back from, what, 50 invested? Or probably, because I had a bunch of bonus bets, yeah. So, And I actually ended up with a bunch of bonus bets because of the all the same-game multis that I missed out on by missed one. by one. Yeah. Oh. So happy, yeah, happy. It was a great day. And I, but did you hear about the um, five thousand dollar? You know, people got the five grand from the All Blacks margins. Oh yeah, look, I heard it. Uh, who was it? Moadi on the breakfast show, Izzy and Kempi, yeah. for breakfast this morning. And um, 
I saw they put a it was either a story on Instagram or Facebook showing what people had taken. Yep. There was some Penrith head to heads. You have some Penrith point starts. Yep. Yeah, turning plus. Then the one that broke my heart was someone put the five k on Cleary to win the Clive Churchill. Oh, because because you could easily sit at the end of that game and be annoyed that Cleary didn't get it. See, or I thought I didn't get it. Or, I thought you know? he was going to get it. Like, yeah. <clears throat> and I admit I fell asleep about ten minutes before the end. But bef- the, the last memory was. They'll just give it to Cleary because, you know, the standoff. Uh, sorry, the halfback or standoff just have to have a reasonable game, and, you, you, and they seem yeah. to get it. Yeah, bang on, and and it's you know it's. But your voter fatigue one's a really really I, good. It point. was a great point. Someone made that to me. Yeah, I thought that was actually a really good shout. And so what I did, I, I just looked for power plays that had um, Dylan Edwards as the Clive Churchill, and that's why I went to that. There was that one to twelve one, um, and then there was the eleven to twenty. And so I and, and at that point I'd used all my money, so I just had the bonus bet. So it was over. almost like. Parramatta won you those bets. They did. They actually did. They didn't score 100%. (laughs) I'm super glad they scored in the last 10. And let's be honest, like Penrith just lost concentration, right, with 10 minutes to go. They're partying on the sideline. Ivan Cleary was down there with Brandy having a hug. Penrith had taken the foot off the off the gas because the tries that they led in were sort of relatively weak, right, for their defensive effort Mm. throughout the night. Someone... Dan Talentire actually messaged me this morning and because um, I asked him if he wanted to come on. He's flat out with Kangaroos today. Um, they're naming their squad. And he just said, mate, I genuinely think that Par- that Penrith are a lock for top four for the next 10 years. Yeah. And it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. Salary cap, there will be a point where um, they'll have to keep Cleary probably on a mill. Then someone like Luai will probably be demanding you know, six, seven hundred, and then you'll get other guys in underneath like Fisher-Harris, like Dylan Edwards, et cetera, who will start to demand a little bit more. And you're already seeing it with, um, obviously, Kikau and Coruscant both leaving, and Coruscant saying, it's just a money thing. If Penrith could have paid me, I would have stayed. So, you, and those are big losses, Steph, See, I, Coruscant. I, I was talking earlier about tipping points for a player if you're a $300,000 player, but Penrith say will take you for two fifty, yeah, or Gold Coast say will take you for three fifty. Where is it? There's another tipping point I want to talk about at some stage as well. Penrith, how many marquee players when you were champion? How, how many can you afford to keep and having eight not quite championship guys but will be lifted by the performance of the other guys? That's the balancing act these big clubs must have. Yeah, and the funny thing is when you look at a team like, who's a good example of this? I was thinking maybe Souths. There are teams that have a number of marquee... Roosters actually a good example. They have a number of marquee big-name players. And it allows you to win maybe one or two or three. You talked about the short-term thing last hour. It allows you to win one, two, three... The thing with Penrith is, I would say almost no one in that team is is marquee in and of themselves. Maybe oh, Nathan Cleary, Nathan is, Cleary. Is, the, is, the, is the exception to the rule, is the marquee. Now, you'd say that's ridiculous, Sam. Luai's probably a marquee. Fisher-Harris is probably... No, no, no. They are good in that Penrith side. Not saying they wouldn't be good elsewhere, but they've built that. But this is the problem in a salary cap competition is that whether you're the Roosters and you buy guys in and you win a title every two or three years or you're the Panthers and you build it up from the ground, it will get to a point for the Panthers. They might win two or three more staff, but it'll get to a point where they can't afford to keep that unit together. Guys will start leaving and the quality of the side will start dropping again. That will happen. Mm. Which is this is the beauty of a salary capped competition. It's is a beautifully that last. this top Penrith side is a beautifully pieced together 100%. manufactured team. Hundred percent, it? it is, but but it won't, but it can't last mm. 
forever. The other thing I want to know is that the coaching structure for these lesser teams, who, who's in and around that? Who are, who are some of the players in and around? Maybe we could get to Penrith at some stage this week and just talk about their club structure. Oh, you mean as in like the coaches of the under-20s? Yeah, the, yeah. Well, didn't um, Craig Gower say he was helping out with the SG ball yes, side? Yes, he and did then, say, yeah. yeah. so I'm sure that's those sorts of... Those sorts of names, but you, it's a good point. We could, yeah. I mean, the, the the interview, the interview we all want. We've been chasing him for running it straight. We've been tracing the interview. Everyone wants is Phil Gilt, right? Because he'll tell you that. He'll mm. tell you how it all works and how how they built it. Um, it's the golden question, which is you know all eyes on the Bulldogs for to see how whether or not he has the same influence on them in five to six, seven years time. Mm. Mm. Imagine just Penrith Bulldogs grand final every year for five years. <laughs> I loved them when they were the dogs of war. I did yeah. enjoy watching them, and you just—they were like—they were like a team fueled on diesel, taking mm. on LPG cars. <laughs> That—that's what it was like. They just relentless with bull bars and didn't have a great top speed, but they could just pull trucks yeah. uphill. They tough. That dogs of war mentality. I just—it really resonated with me. I don't know. I don't know if that it ex- if you could do that nowadays, right? You probably like, couldn't. The game's too quick. Mm. A lot of sport is like that as well. You know, um, I guess even rugby, right? Like, would you argue Fords are getting more mobile? Much as opposed, more mobile. Yeah, much more mobile as opposed to just big burly men. I, I know. You know, I talk about this a lot with you. You know, in ice hockey, it used to be you'd have these goons that would just go out and destroy guys and they couldn't even skate or play hockey you can't do that anymore you have to be skillful it's about speed it's about skill so mm. yeah a lot of text messages i've got to get through but i'll take a break and i'll run you through those there's some absolute rippers always welcome to te- right as we mentioned on monday we had a big sweepstake and sammy um i was amazed at the commonality of the scores so like everyone had penrith by you know sort of that 10 to 16 range yeah yeah, no, I, look, well, decent spread. Some people um, had it quite close, and then some people had it further out. Now, the end score, of course, 28-12. So sure. we had three people that predicted it to within one point. Really? Right? Leonard from Taranaki, who predicted the Panthers 29 points to 12. Oh. So he's out by one. Then we had Brett from Huntley, who predicted 27-12. One out. One. And Carrie from Manawatu, who predicted... 27 to 12. Wow. So uh, all of them are on a three-way tie. So then we went to the anytime try scorer um, tiebreaker, right, which was a great initiative by you, Staff. I didn't think we'd need it. We absolutely did. Uh, Leonard from Taranaki uh, took Jerome Luai. Mm. Eh. Good game. Great game, actually. No try. I, I thought at halftime he was a Dally M. He was up there. Um, Brett from Huntley went, Mike Azevo. Oh, and he dropped the ball over dropped the line. It's stone cold. I tell you what, that would have ruined a lot of Maltese. That drop ball Oof. over the line, Oof. and he was Oof. gutted. And uh, Kerry from Manawatu, Charlie Staines, try, try. He scored. The, I think he scored the third one. Oh, so Kerry, so Kerry is on the line from Manawatu. Kerry, you champion. Yeah, how are you? Did you think you might have won it? Uh, I knew I'd had a. I knew I'd be in the uh, in the in the circle. <laughs> You're just lucky no one took 28. A couple of 27s and a 29. So you, my friend, win a $100 lifestyle focus voucher. Awesome. I was waiting for a drop goal. <laughs> I was going to say, Carrie, you didn't go out and uh, you should have backed yourself on that bit at the TAB. I don't know if there was a an option to pick like a – a 15-point margin or whatever, but uh, you could have made yourself a little bit of money there, as well as the lifestyle focus voucher. <laughs> yeah, I 
Haynes and um, Stephen Crichton for first try score, so I got that as well. Oh, wow. Oh, Great. You'd have had a bonza weekend, Kerry. Well done. Uh, stay on the line. I'll get Kiss to get the details off your $100 lifestyle focus voucher. Joined us a few times this year. Um, we might give him a few days off, actually, after this one. It's probably unfair to come to him straight after a grand final, but... Michael Carianis, the wonderful Daily Telegraph rugby league writer. Uh, welcome in, Michael. I'm guessing you've had a little bit more sleep than Nathan Cleary. <laughs> yeah, I'd hope so, yes. I, I'd suggest I have. But, um, yeah, the Penrith boys are in the midst of their celebrations and don't they deserve it? They're a remarkable footy side and put in another remarkable performance last night. What a grand final it was. I mean, over here in New Zealand, it really captured us as well. Very much anticipated and it didn't really play out how we thought. We thought two colossus in the game, but Panthers, to me, showed they are a class above. What's been the reaction? What are we, 12, 13, 14 hours later? Yeah, usually in a one-sided grand final, people try and, and dissect the losing side a little bit and, and try and work out where it all went wrong. But this time around, I think everyone acknowledges that Penrith are just a superior side. They're, they're well ahead. Uh, of the competition and, and, and the gulf between, you know, the first, second, third teams is, is quite significant at the moment. They are just a red-hot footy side and uh, they would have put that score on any other side last night. How long can this go? I mean, people are already talking dynasty in the making, um, of course, back-to-back, um, mm. and then just the, the the grades underneath this top side are doing it as well. Um, scary for other clubs. Well, they've won everything this year. They've won, you know, the SG ball, the, the national championships, the jersey flag. Um, so they've won, you know, all but uh, the Harold Matthews, um, which is the under-17s competition. They've won everything above that from under-19s above. So it's quite significant. Uh, you know, they lose a few players next year. They lose a few players every year, and, and it doesn't seem to hurt them. The, the one that will hurt them is Api Koroisau, who will leave at the end of the year, I think he's probably the, the player that they're going to struggle the most to replace um, what he does out, out of dummy half. But when you've got Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Dylan Edwards, Zayo, James Fisher-Harris all locked in long term, you're going to be a good side for, for years to come. Are they going to be replaced? Like we, uh, I myself, I haven't watched much of these the, the lower age-grade teams, etc. Um, myself. Like, it's going to be just about impossible to replace someone like Kurosawa, but is there any promising youngsters that can be moulded into that? Uh, I, I'm not across them, really, but they've got such a, a depth of, of talent there. Obviously, Mitch Kenny played last night. Uh, I think he'll get first cracks. Uh, Sonny Lukey played in the reserve grade um, game as well yesterday and, and you know, started uh, in that, and he, he's a dummy half, so... You know, I think they'll get first crack at it, but you know, replacing up is going to be the toughest task that this side faces in terms of players they've lost in the last couple of years. Yeah, and Viliami Kikia, my favourite Panther as well. I just love the way just the mm. big man does what big men do. Uh, another one they're going to have to find uh, a replacement for. Yeah, they've signed... Um, obviously, this is not a like-for-like like because you can't replace Kikia, but they've signed uh, Luke Garner from the West Tigers, so he, he'll probably slot in, in that back row slot, but uh, you know, kick out just gives them a, a point of difference that not many players can offer. Kangaroos get named today. I don't know the time. Uh, do you know when the Kangaroos are going to get named today? In about 20 minutes, I think. Oh. Any surprise? Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think there might be a... 
on the back of what we saw last night, uh, where there's some players that might have been 50-50 and now 80-20, uh, and I'm particularly uh, thinking about maybe Dylan Edwards? Well, the the one battle um, that was open was, was the back row slot between Liam Martin and Sean Lane. Liam Martin was slight favourite heading into last night's game, but you know he'll be picked for sure now. I can't see how Sean Lane forces his way into the side. And, and Dylan Edwards, yeah, he's the, the interesting one because he, he wasn't um, in the squad uh, as of yesterday morning and whether he's done enough uh, to, to force his way in. Those meetings are happening right now, so I'm not exactly sure. I think he'd be a remote chance um, because he wasn't in the squad heading into the game yesterday. Whether he's done enough to usurp someone uh, like a Matt Burden, um, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You're in the best team in the biggest game and you're man of the match. What more do you got to do to get the green and gold jersey? Oh, I know, it's hard. There's a guy called James Tedesco in front of you, though, playing <laughs> playing in that number one jersey. Latrell Mitchell will be in the squad as well. So, you know, then that doesn't take into account the likes of, you know, Tom Trevojevic, who's injured. So it's a position, you know, Dylan Edwards is a, a supreme player and deserves Clyde Churchill, but I don't think anyone can argue that he's just sitting behind those blokes at the moment in terms of pecking order. Now, I should have given you forewarning or got Sam to give you forewarning. I was going to ask you about the eligibility rules. We did a big piece on it uh, earlier today and uh, someone texted the show suggesting that eligibility changes in World Cup year. So what is the ruling? Like, I thought you could go from Tier 1 to Tier 2 but not go back to Tier 1 or can, can you clarify um, if yeah. Jason Tomalolo wanted to go and play for the Kiwis again, could he? I don't think I don't I, I don't think Jason Tamalolo could. In terms of World Cup year, you can only play for one country in a, in a World Cup year, regardless if it's Tier One or Team Tier Two. So you can't play for you know PNG in a mid-year test and represent uh, Australia in the end of year, at the World Cup. You definitely can't do that. Um, you, you can. I guess there would be nothing stopping Jason Tamalolo from in a non-World Cup year. Um, playing for, for Tonga and, and New Zealand because, you know, we, we, we've seen that um, at, at times over the last couple of years, but you can't do that in a World Cup year. Right, right. And, and international rugby league's the pinnacle for New Zealanders. Is it still state of origin? My feeling is state of origin is the pinnacle in Australian rugby league, and is that partly because it's, it's NRL-based, it's ARL-based, um, it's where the money is, it's where the fans is, it's where the broadcast comes comes in? I think, quite simply, it's probably where the best competition has been over the last couple of years because international footy has not been uh, as good of standard. I, I think if you pitted um, lots of those international sides against the New South Wales or Queensland team, you know, New South Wales or Queensland win, I think that's probably been the issue. But now we're seeing, uh, you know, New Zealand are going to be red hot in this tournament you got Tonga and Samoa who, who are going to be sensational as well. So once, you know, the international game can get back to a high-quality, consistent standard, I think that will obviously usurp the contest that is State of Origin. I think if you ask the players, there's no greater contest than State of Origin, but there's no greater honour than wearing the green and gold of Australia. So that's probably the difference. So quite hard to ask an Australian this, but would be the best thing for International Rugby League to gain a little bit more impetus would be for the Kangaroos, to not make the final, maybe finish fourth, and then Australia go, this ain't on, we've got to get back to the top? Uh, potentially. like um, I don't know, I always want Australia to win everything, but yeah, yeah. I do want a, a competitive tournament, and 
we've seen that. We saw last time Tonga played Australia. Well, Tonga won, right? So who would have thought that could have happened, you know, five years ago, let alone, you know, 10 years ago. So um, I think there's no doubt that um, regardless of what happens in, in this World Cup, it'll be the best one we've seen since the 1980s. And um, the competition will be fierce because any of those top four sides, and we're not even talking about England here, who, who are probably the fifth-ranked side, probably, I think, heading into this tournament. So that's the depth of, of the Pacific the Pacifica at the moment, and it's so good to see. I can't wait to, to get up and, and watch those games. Yeah, I'm the same. It's a definitely uh, an alarm clock setting uh, Rugby League World Cup. The, we've got Michael Maguire coming on very, very shortly, actually, uh, onto the show talking about his squad and the, and the tournament. Cannot wait. Hey, Michael, as always, uh, you've been a great servant to us over, over the year. Thanks for coming on again today. Really enjoyed it. Pleasure. Thank you. Michael Carrianis, Daily Telegraph, rugby league writer. Um, interesting. Like that, that state of origin, like to us in New Zealand, we don't have anything like the equivalent of state of origin. I think there was one year New Zealand, did they have a tri-series in New Zealand put in a team against Queensland and New South Wales? I feel like they did. I sort of feel like they did. Can you recall that, Sammy? No, but you know, I always also think with state of origin, like what made that so good early on, and throughout the years is the fact that they they really hate each other. Yeah. It's that rivalry because when you just get two teams sort of coming together and I guess there's – I mean, that's why the Springboks All Blacks, right? I mean, not that there's a hate, but there is a a, a fierce rivalry between the two teams. Mm. And I think sometimes with International League, that's what they lack are those meaningful, like, rivalries. We talked about New Zealand Tonga, you know, becoming that – um, but you're never going to get what you get in State of O where, where guys literally, I mean, you talk to the um, Queenslander. Billy Moore. Billy Moore. You talk to the Billy Moores, and they, you know, viscerally hated New South Wales, yeah. you know. Um, it doesn't probably so much, but, but you know, it, it probably does actually. When you look at Cleary and Luai and how much they got under the skin of those Queensland players and vice versa, it's it's still there, the, yeah. the sort of... Hatred, and I think that's what fuels it. It's just such a – the quality's great, but I think it's competitive and it's great because the players are that invested in beating other mm. teams. Oh, I love Saver. I'm, I'm not saying change it or anything like that, but it's. Just, I'd like to see a little bit more meaningful international rugby league. You know, if, if we could introduce something like the equivalent of the Bledisloe Cup and let it gain momentum and gain importance over the years. We will have a break – and we'll be back. Don't forget, after two, Michael Maguire. As mentioned, it is the Property Brokers MPC Masterclass Award of the Week, and I am the sole judge. And I put my judge's hat on last night, and I thought, who impressed me across the weekend? And it's this man who joins us on the show out of North Harbour. What a good story they have been this season. Bryn Gatlin. G'day, Bryn. Hey, Steffi, how are you going? Very well, very well. What a season you guys have uh, nudged together. A little bit of a hiccup mid-season. Uh, Hawks Bay, the Ramfurly Shield, and then you had to take on bloody Canterbury three or four days later. Um, that storm week for you didn't didn't do you many favours, having to take on Hawks Bay and Canterbury both away. But then I thought the game against Counties was a bit of a marker for you. They're not an easy team to beat. Your third game in, in eight days. Did you feel like something happened once the storm week was behind you? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, like you said, it was a pretty tough storm week. And obviously we put a lot of energy into that Ranfurly Shield match and falling short was uh, pretty disappointing. But we didn't have long 
to be able to get back on the horse and play against Canterbury away, who had obviously been a bit of a force this season. And, um, you know, I thought we were down pretty poorly against them, but came back to sort of have a chance to actually um, get a win against them. And then, yeah, like you said, that Counties game, uh, it was just all about mindset. Just we had to understand that it was a massive game for us in this in, in the season, in the scheme of things. And when you look back at big games, uh, that's probably our turning point for us and actually putting a performance together um, that we were proud of, that we could build, build some momentum from. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a bit of a statement for us. And then you rounded out the season really nicely. I mean, you went to Northland, who have been one of the form teams and a, one of the hardest teams to beat at home. You put them away by about 25-odd points. Then you beat Taranaki, who found some late-season form as well, and then absolutely buried Southland again in a hard place to win, and you absolutely put them away. You've come right at the right time of the season. Yeah, I think, like like you just said, uh, we know that those teams, um, you know, anyone, as, as they've shown, can beat anyone on the day. And um, that Northland game, it was um, tip to tap for a bit there. And we got to half time. I said we got a couple of penalties just before half time to have a six point lead. And uh, coming out that second half, um, one against Taranaki, two against Northland, obviously against Southland as well. If you can start the start of that second half well, that's all, that sort of sets you up for the rest of the game. And um, yeah, like I said, just. You know, trying to put a, an 80-minute performance together. I think that the, the games where we have lost, we've had a couple of lulls where we've just lost momentum and let things either back in the game or pull away from us. And um, yeah, we're just building some nice momentum going into uh, the, and the back part of our season. Our, our discipline's been a lot better. Our defense has taken a massive step up. And um, you know, we we back ourselves to score enough points each game to win games. But defense is what wins wins your championships. So we're really trying to pride ourselves on that. You've shifted, just talking about you now as a player, you've shifted around a little bit. You, you picked up, I think, one cap for Waikato and then you shifted up to North Harbour where you've established yourself up there. You've had stints with the Blues, the Highlanders and the Chiefs. But from the outside looking in, me as, as a rugby watcher, you've really grown into your skin in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. You look quite comfortable where you're at with your game now. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty good with where I'm at. Um, to be honest, I think yeah, like you talked about, sort of moving around. I think that was just solely based on opportunity and and trying to um, get myself to a position where I was going to you know play ten, play consistently, and um, play back to back games. And I think uh, with North Harbour, um, pretty early on, I I found myself playing a lot, and I've always enjoyed my rugby up there, and um, it's you know been uh, sort of a successful sort of campaign for me each time but as far as super rugby goes uh this year the last year like I said 12 months um I just think that time in the middle was was what I was after and this year sort of getting that back-to-back games and playing 80 minute games and just building my confidence and sort of being able to showcase what I know I've been able to do but just be able to do it consistently has been massive for me and taking that sort of form or confidence into NPC has been huge as well so um yeah, I think just like you said, it's just a, a good feeling at the moment and, and playing that in the middle is what's helped that. Yeah, and this time in the middle and the confidence you've get, you've you've assumed a real leadership role as well and you've got some good older heads around you, but it's almost like um, unintentionally you've taken on the mantle of, of sort of mentoring some of the younger ones coming through and, and it's sitting comfortably 
with you. Is that is that a conscious thing that's come to you, or it's just evolved with minutes on the park, kicking crucial goals, making good decisions? Yeah, I think it's probably a bit of both, to be honest. You know, um, for example, at NPC level, you just have guys coming and going quite a lot. Um, you've always got young guys coming through that um, are getting their first crack at NPC. You've got club players coming through that haven't played at a professional level yet. Um, but then obviously you've got a mixture between guys that have potentially played All Blacks and, 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 and plenty of minutes of Super Rugby. So uh, for me, as well as sort of being captain this year, um, just trying to get the balance right between focusing on my own game. Obviously, I know I have to perform as a 10 and as a captain to lead from the front, but then getting the balance right between, I guess, like you said, mentoring and getting guys to come along and develop them as well. And, um, yeah, I think it's probably just evolved with sort of a natural feeling, but, again, like being conscious around how I do that and how I hold myself on and off the field. And the first thing I can do is just try and perform on the field and, and lead from there and then, Hopefully the boys, you know, you gain their respect uh, off the field as well and, and, and they um, they listen to you and hopefully follow you as well. Now, I'm an unashamedly huge Manawatu fan, uh, supporter, have been my whole life, and you buggers flogged Jamie Booth and uh, up to North <laughs> Harbour. Um, tell me how he enhances your game. I was just about to say, I'm actually living with him as well. So, oh. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got Boothie uh Boothie in the next room uh, most days. So we have we have some good chats now. He's a good fella. So um yeah, look for us he was a massive pickup, uh, just his experience. Um he knows the game really well, he knows his game and you know, us losing Bryn Hall was you know, someone who's been a massive part of North Harbour for the last oh, almost nearly ten years for him probably since he started and um you know, having someone like Jamie be able to take that spot uh, with his experience has been massive for us. And I think our game, just learning, you know, you, you sort of got to get got to get used to how people play. And I think living with him as well, just being able to have conversations around stuff has been massive for us. And yeah, he's been huge for us this year. So yeah, he has been a massive pickup, and I'm sure he's uh, um, obviously talking to some of the Turbos boys who are probably having a few beers right now at the end of their season um, as well. <laughs> He's got to wait another week for a beer. <laughs> it does. Um, and also I wanted to talk to you about, um, gosh, the re-emergence or the re-injection of Tavita Lee. Holy heck. He, he's, he's lost nothing. If, if anything, he's a better player than when he left New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, look, we've always said he's, he plays like an all black at MPC level. It's just um, the way he can beat defenders and um, you know get get his hands on the ball and his involvement. And I just think that he's probably come back to a team that, like I said, means a lot to him and be able to just play with the freedom of just enjoying his rugby. I think that's probably the, the most thing is you see a, a big smile on his face. He's, he's loving his, his, his rugby at the moment and you're 100% right. He hasn't lost anything. If not, he's looking the best he has at, I think he scored 12 tries this year or something. And um, it's often one of those things, you just give him the ball and he'll make something happen for you. And if he doesn't, your other wing does. I mean, you're blessed and, and you're back through. And Shawnee Stevenson as well, I'll pistol Pete out the back. It must be, as a 10, um, the the communication out on the field, you haven't got one go-to guy. You've got, you've got three weapons out wide. Yeah, yeah. I think if you'd ask them, you know, that, they're just uh, they're just doing whatever they, what they love doing, and so 
you know, when we when we can get the ball to them, when our set piece is working, when our defense has been good, um, and you give the guys a uh, ball in space like that, you know, they are they are beating defenders and they're making things happen for you. So um, we know we're going to get opportunities. And I said earlier in, in our chat that, you know, we, we feel like we can score enough points to win games. Um, so we have to back up our defense. Um, we just need to be better there. But, um, yeah, look, it's we're pretty blessed with our back three at the moment to be able to have guys of that, of that caliber carrying the ball, counter-attacking, and um, the amount of uh, influence they have on a game. I was looking at the quarterfinals this weekend, and they are just grandstand local derbies. Uh, when you got Waikato Bay plenty replaying an unbelievable game from yesterday. Uh, Wellington, Hawke's Bay, neighbours, lots of rivalry, but North Harbour, Auckland, quarterfinal, battle of the bridge, you guys at home. I don't think your, your coach is going to need to do a pep talk in the changing room before you run out. It, it, it is all on. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't. I, you know, if you ask guys what one of the games that they get up for the most, it's always the Battle of the Bridge and against uh, against the Aucklanders on the other side. So, yeah, to play in a quarter final and obviously we played them round one and uh, we felt like we had had the sword on them early in that game and a sort of a five to ten minute lapse and they got away from us. Uh, is still hurting and I think it's in the back of our mind that you know we're going out this weekend and uh, to do a job and uh, quarterfinal rugby there is no next week if you don't get it right so yeah like there's there's no lack of motivation from our end and um, you know we feel like we've got some good momentum going into that game but um, yeah it's going to be a hell of a hell of a battle on Friday night. Yeah empty the tanks because the beauty of Friday while it's a shortish turnaround like a six day turnaround uh, if you beat Auckland and get to the semis you're going to be the only team with an eight day turnaround so um, no no fuel left in the tank at the 80 minutes North Harbour Auckland it's going to be an absolute ripper. Yep uh, that's what we're sort of talking about is you don't get second chances like I said when it comes to finals rugby so Empty the tank, bench will come on, empty their tank, and uh, hopefully we come away on the right side of it and uh, um, and can and can uh, keep trucking on. Awesome. Well, Bryn, um, you are my NPC Masterclass Performer of the Weekend, and if you think that there's, uh, what is there, 14 teams, and I picked you, I picked you, you, you and you've got to be good to impress me if you're not from Manawatu. So, uh... <laughs> Jeez, but, buddy, buddy, honour to receive that, Steffi. Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> awesome, Bryn. You're going, you're going extra. Um, really looking forward to the uh, Battle of the Bridge. Uh, keep on trucking, keep on uh, leading that team around. You're giving us a lot of joy. So well done, congratulations, and we'll catch up again. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. There he is, Bryn Gatland. Just absolute one of the star performers uh, from that North Harbour side. Um, Really enjoyed him playing. Like he's been, if I try and think about the guys he's been back up to for for quite a long time, um, was he back up to, uh, I think he was even back up to Stephen Donald at one stage, early early days. Um, He was... Behind Ehia West at the Chiefs, he's been behind a lot of players, and he's just had to move himself around. And he rightly said, if he just got a little bit of game time, which he's got, there imparts confidence. And look at him go, wonderful leader. I think he's 26, 27 years of age, and I think we're seeing seeing the best of him. And uh, JD just this moment texted and said, "Bring Gatlin, most improved footballer in the country. Criminal if he doesn't make the All Black A side." Look. I'm no selector, but he'd be in mine as well. Just good experience, been through adversity, come through the other side, and a wonderful leader 
and decision making. It's his decisions. And he kicks those 50-22s. He kicks his goals. He makes right decisions. Just a really good balanced head. And I was thinking this morning, looks like Chad Townsend plays like Nathan Cleary. Doesn't he look like Chad Townsend, Bryn Gatlin? He really does. And he's having a stellar season. So good luck to all the quarterfinalists. Um, and what a quarterfinal to kick us off with on Friday night. Auckland travelling to North Harbour Stadium. And North Harbour fans, North Harbour fans, go. Go on Friday night. NRL's finished. There's nothing else on. Go and support your team. They have put in a sterling effort. And you can say you were there for the Battle of the Bridge when they won against Auckland, if they beat Auckland. It's an incredibly hard one to pick. But go and support your team. The NPC is brilliant, and the Battle of the Bridge on Friday will be brilliant. We'll take some new sport and weather, and we will be back. Here's Karen. Well, one of the hardest jobs in uh, sport today, I think, was announcing a Kiwi Rugby League team because we have so much talent now. And joining us now is head coach Michael Maguire. Welcome in, Michael. Thanks for jumping in. What a task you've had, but, but I guess a pleasurable task. Uh, uh, so much talent. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's... Um yeah, it is a pleasure. I mean, obviously, to have a number of names there that uh, and tough decisions uh, is what you want to be having at uh, this time when you're picking a squad. So, yeah, the depth, obviously, of the Kiwi team is getting uh, stronger and yeah, we need to keep working really hard at that to make sure that we have yeah, more depth moving forward. But, uh, look, it's we, we've got a, a good group of uh, men that will come together and a lot of those players have been the best at their clubs. So, yeah, that's the most pleasing part. Were you watching last night? I'd imagine you were watching last night's final, like all of us, with fingers crossed none of the Kiwis got injured? Uh, yeah, I was, actually. Every time uh, you sort of watch a player run the ball or get or make a tackle, you just made sure that they got up. But uh, they all got through, um, yeah, all healthy. And, you know, it's going to be really great to have the, those boys coming into camp off the back of a game of high intensity like it was. You know, that's the type of style of what we need to make sure we go to uh, when we play in, the, in a test match. So... Yeah, to have those players bring that sort of intensity into camp, uh, along with what the boys have already been, already been doing, it's uh, you know it's a positive start. Just just building into the World Cup, then how does as as a coach, how do you approach a congested tournament versus a season long competition, which you've got so much experience at? What what changes for you? Yeah, well, the important part I believe is that we've been able to you know bring the team together. Uh, I know it's been sort of sporadic throughout the time over the last two or three years, but the fact that we've sort of got consistency in how we've gone about things and, you know, there's a stability, I guess, in New Zealand Rugby League there with Greg and, and uh, the crew that um, look after us. Yeah, that's that's a real uh, important part because then the players understand their roles when they come in. You know, they've just got to come in and do their role and play their part. And, you know, when you've got the talent uh, of, of obviously the, what we get to choose from well those players can just come in and do their part so um, that's the real key for, for us as we've been over the journey over the last two or three years but look it's all in front of us now and you know all that won't mean too much if we don't go out and utilise it so you know it's about you know doing uh, or, or now acting on all the things that we've been doing over the last two or three years and all but three of your squad have been involved in playoff football which is very rare for a Kiwi side which is Usually, well, yeah. in recent years, been laden with Warriors. Um, we've only got one in there, in Dallin, who's been, I thought, was yeah. the best Warrior this year. Um, just the just the 
is that a good thing that they've been playing top level rugby league right up till now? Uh, not many haven't played for a while, so they're primed and ready. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you're playing games at a high intensity and you know at a higher level because you know, when you step into a finals, you know the football does step up. Um, you know, when you go from round to round, look, you, you obviously have some high quality games, but uh, once you get into finals, that intensity and you know the uh, the heat around the whole game itself becomes higher, and you know that's that's what happens at Test footy. It's at the top of the top of the tree when you're, you're coming to this level uh, for the Kiwi. So you know those guys having that practice at the levels, um, you know, like you look at those players last night, and the intensity of the game was enormous. You know, and to have those players you now step in and understand where they, you know, where you've got to get to um, is going to be good for us moving forward. And these guys, the, all these players, 90% of the time, probably even 95% of the time, they're all in their own club system and they all approach the game a little bit differently. Now they've got to swing to the national mindset and the national way of playing. You've touched on that you've had them together a few times for internationals. How difficult is it to switch them out of a Melbourne Storm, a Sydney Roosters, a Canberra Raiders type mindset and slot into the, into the Kiwis way of playing? Yeah, the, that comes with experience, uh, you know, and you know, we've got a good blend of experience from someone like a Jawa Hargreaves or a Kieran Four and to the you know, Moses and James Fisher-Harris, you know, those type of players. Um, they've played a lot of footy now, and to be honest, teams are playing pretty similar. You know, the styles of how we want to play don't drift too far, but it's just how you go about your role when, you, when, when you're called upon them. Um, I know. You know, the mid-year test is a great example. You know, I, we didn't tinker too much with how we wanted to play and, you know, they played a very strong brand of footy of what we believe is the way that we can have, find our success. So, you know, that, that's the sort of stuff that we, we call on when we bring the boys together and that's also the hard work of training. You know, we've, we're going to spend a fair bit of time on the field going through things early uh, once all the players get here uh, from the grand final. So we'll spend a bit of time on the field making sure that we we understand the style of how we want to play. You're almost a quasi-New Zealander now. You've been involved in the Kiwi setup long enough, I think, to be able to put put a bit of a Kiwi stripe on, <laughs> on your shoulder, Madge. Um, what do you see from the New Zealanders who spend most of their life out of New Zealand and getting that Kiwis jersey and being around whānau and, 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 the, and the ilk of yeah. you know teammates? What do you witness happens to a player that plays in Australia comes into a Kiwi camp? What do you see? Yeah. Oh, look, a real brotherhood. Um, a very, very strong connection. Um, the passion that they have is is incredible. Uh, yeah, and there's a real family aspect around how they go about things. Uh, and you know, there's a real strong bond between the players. And there's nothing better when you actually sort of see the players come together and you know reunite back together. And you know, they're all very tight group. Um, so. Yeah, you can see you see a sense of um, real tightness amongst the players. So I guess that's what I'm always seeing when I'm working at being with the players. And they look to me like whenever the Kiwis get together and I watch them line up for the anthem and the haka, and you just feel like, well, it is their pinnacle. Um, and in Australia, yeah. you could argue the pinnacle is state of origin and not national jersey. Um, we're sort of one up on them in that respect, I reckon. Yeah, oh, look, it's definitely the pinnacle, like. You know, I can't explain uh, what it means to the players to play for for the Kiwis. Um, it's yeah, you know, just to be able to watch them, and you know, even at, even at training, you know, they're just so diligent about wanting to succeed. Uh, and look, you know, obviously, you know, over the years of the World Cup, 
you know, Australia have had the successes uh, at a higher level, and but you know, this group definitely want to be able to, uh, you know, to leave the legacy and build that um, moving forward. You know, and, and that comes with the ability of having the depth of players. I remember talking to Stacey Jones, uh, you know, years ago, and he was just talking about how they had to try and work out who was going to play in the halves because they didn't have anyone. Uh, yeah. You know, so they used to have to makeshift players quite a number of times to be able to actually find the team. Whereas now we're talking about quality of players being picked and they are some of the best players within the competition. So, you know, and they're the best players in their club. So that's very important, you know, for to build a long-term legacy of obviously what the Kiwis want to achieve. Joey Manu, where are you going to play him? He'll be at fullback. Um, I think, yeah, we saw, you know, we saw what he was capable of there and, you know, um, in the mid-year test and, you know, he's, a, he's an incredible player, Joey. I mean, he's only just touching on what he's capable of, I think, Joey. He's going to just get better and better the more times he plays at fullback, uh, you know, and understanding the role. Uh, you know, so he's, he's at a club, obviously, where he's, he's got a pretty handy one there, so they can utilise him in a, a bit of a double fullback role when he plays at the Roosters, but now he can just concentrate on the role. And you know, I'm looking forward to him having a, an incredible uh, World Cup. Talking to Michael Maguire, head coach of the Kiwis. The final squad has just been named to go and represent us at the World Cup. Uh, years gone by, Madge, uh, it was New Zealand or Australia. Sometimes England sort of worried us a little bit. But now we've got Samoa. We've seen what Tonga can do. Yeah. The, the international game is starting to build nicely. Oh, it is, yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at the squad of Samoa and, uh, yeah, that's a very, very strong squad. Same with Tonga. Um, you know, and the England squad, you know, they've, they've obviously got, uh, you know, plenty of players coming out of the Super League. Uh, but, you know, I look at um, a team like Lebanon as an example uh, in the last World Cup. You know, they came out of the blocks and they, they nearly shocked Tonga in one, of the, in one of the games that they played. So, look, you've got to respect everyone that you're playing. So what's, what happens between now and your first game? I, I understand you're all in camp in Australia. How much longer there and when do you head off? No, no, we actually flew over uh, two days ago. We uh, we did a camp in Australia for two days. We trained, uh, so we jumped on the plane. So we're actually in England now. We're in Leeds. So we have a, oh. a tour game or a warm-up game as such uh, against Leeds next Saturday uh, where I'll play uh, majority of the squad except for the grand finalists. Uh, and then the grand finalists will join us on the Saturday morning of that game. And then come Monday, it's basically we're back back to right of the journey of the World Cup. You excited? Uh, very much so. Well, yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to get the uh, grand finals over and uh, you know, have, have the squad of 24. And yeah, we, we had training and literally the boys just jumped straight into it. It was awesome. It was just really great to get on the park. And you know, when, you, when you're dealing with the players that have got, you know, they know their role so well and they just jump straight into it. Uh, and you've seen your players like Jesse Bromwich and Jared and, you know, it's, you know, and the, and Jerome Hughes, you know, they just literally just jump straight into. It's like we haven't left each other from obviously in the year test. So having that is uh, very exciting about you know obviously what's ahead. That's for sure. Well, we're all incredibly excited as well, Michael. Uh, thanks for jumping. I didn't realise you're in the UK. Actually, didn't realise you'd got there. Um, but uh, so nice and late at night for you. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, no, that's okay. Pass pass on that's all great. our best wishes. We cannot wait for this World Cup. Uh, all the very best. Yeah, thank you very much. We're really looking forward to obviously uh, performing for uh, the New Zealand people. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. 
Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.